This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening. You're listening to Sharmila Ganesan and Lee Chwilin. Tonight, how to design better public spaces. So we're beginning this discussion by looking at bus stops after recent complaints online and then later, how can our public spaces as a whole embrace better design and why is that important? So tell us, what would make our public spaces better to be in? We're talking about transportation, parks, sidewalks, all of them. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. This is Inside Story. is 6.07 and our topic of discussion uh, today comes from Reddit. So on 31st January, uh, a Reddit post on the Malaysia subreddit page essentially called out Malaysian bus stops and asked why our bus stops are uncomfortable. And they shared pictures of various issues, uh, pictures of different bus stops with various issues, all going back to this question of poor, uncomfortable design. For instance, small seating spaces, uh, that very familiar, too narrow metal sitting benches, bus stops that have dividers on the seats and so on. And this set off a healthy conversation about design when it comes to bus stops in particular, at least in this in this thread. So uh, just a brief tangent, I think, uh, because some people did call it hostile architecture. And if you're unfamiliar with the concept, it's been adopted by local governments worldwide to prevent homeless people from taking advantage of public amenities. So um, it uses, I think you'll be familiar with it. Um, It's things like putting a wall or a fence to keep people or animals out, uh, embedding metal studs in pavements. In fact, those dividers that you were talking about earlier also prevent people from being able to lie down. Mm. So that, that's an example. Benches with those metal, uh, metal dividers in between that basically yes. mean you have to only sit and not lie down. So it's things like that. Um, It's not necessarily only about uh, the homeless population, though in some instances they're also trying to keep people from being able to skateboard there. So so there are a variety of uh, issues. But if we extend that uh, to go back to the subject of public design, it's a very, to me personally, an extremely interesting conversation because you are talking about designing a space for appropriate use for a wide number of people and also for uh, taking into account that what you design it for might not necessarily be what people want to use it as. And I think that that's not necessarily something that um, local councils have been able to contend with always. I mean, public spaces just by that phrase itself suggests that it's a space that's going to be used by a wide variety of people, right, with a wide variety of needs, uh, accessibility issues. And I think part of the challenge when it comes to this idea of design is that, of course, this is anecdotal, but in a lot of parts of Malaysia, the very basic of what it's meant to do is there. But they're not really anything that surrounds it. So if we talk about bus stops, for instance, yes, a bus stop may have a roof 
at the shelter, but then it may be in the middle of a completely open space, meaning if a person doesn't have an umbrella, you're probably going to get drenched walking to that bus stop. It may be perched on the end of a very narrow sidewalk, which also means that only five people can stand under that shelter. So there are multiple things that come under this question of um, the question of design, and this is not even considering that you might have accessibility issues if you're on a wheelchair, if you use crutches, um, if you have a pram. So I, I find the issue of pub or the question of design, particularly in public spaces, really interesting because I think it goes back to this question of what kind of cities or towns or public areas we want to live in and who do we want to share that with. Sharmila, just say it. Just say it. It's about what kind of society we want to be. <laughs> I, I stopped short of my soapbox, but yes, we've gotten there in the end. No, but that's what it is, isn't it? It's because the it's very easy to look at a public space and just go, okay, it's only for, for use. And that's the only way we should be thinking about it. But of course, um, in an increasingly segmented society, these are spaces, these are some of the spaces that we share. And so how we think about sharing them and caring for them and maintaining them and how they were designed to begin with do in fact, and I'll say it again, tell a story of what kind of society we are or what we aspire to be, I think. So we are first going to hone in on this question of our public transit spaces, uh, but we are then going to expand the conversation to public spaces in general. We'd like to hear from you. What would make our public spaces better to be in? Whether that's transportation, parks, sidewalks, do weigh in. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we'll be speaking with Azif Azudin, independent urban mobility researcher. So keep it here, BFM 89.9. Building fit Malaysians, BFM 89.9. It is 6.13. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're talking about better design for our public spaces. Uh, this comes from a Reddit conversation about Malaysia's bus stops and why they're so poorly designed, why they're so uncomfortable. So we'd love to hear from you. We are expanding that conversation. What would make our public spaces better to be in? Uh, whether we're talking about transportation, parks, sidewalks, public buildings, you can weigh in on all of them. Call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Now, to hone in specifically on public transit, uh, we have joining us Azif, Azif Azudin, independent urban mobility researcher. Azif, thanks for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. So a Reddit user pointed out that our bus stops are uncomfortable. Uh, some even called it, quote unquote, hostile architecture. Do you agree with this? Yes, I do actually. So if the, the picture in reference are basically benches that have separators between the seats. Um, and if you consider what hostile architecture actually means, right, it's basically the sort of design that you know restricts users or encourages them to act in ways that are not beneficial to them, right? To make them basically feel uncomfortable enough uh, and not to linger around. So benches that have separators are pretty much used, I think, generally speaking, city councils put it out put them up to discourage the homeless from lying down on them. Now, we've seen this all over in KL. Uh, in fact, I think in 2014, 2014, 2015, there was a citywide initiative done by DBKL to kind of remove the homeless from public spaces, right? And one of them was to also stop loitering by designing benches that are unfriendly. So yes, uh, definitely the bench that has been, you know, been viral in Reddit is essentially hostile architecture because they're trying to exclude 
the homeless uh, in public spaces by not allowing them to loiter there. And what has your personal experience been like when it comes to using our public spaces and in particular bus stops? Uh, to be honest, in one word, uncomfortable, right? But then again, I, have, I also have to say, it really depends on where you are in the Klang Valley. Uh, so depending where you are, you see a variety of different bus stops. Right? Some bus stops are standard pondoks, which I'll call just a simple zinc top, and it has a seat, which is essentially a bar, a bar of metal, which has been bent on both sides, right? You have that, which is super simple, super basic. You see that everywhere. But then you also have smart slango bus stops, right, which are covered. A bit of a weird design, but it has a lot of features, Wi-Fi, CCTV. Uh, some of them even have a bicycle uh, a bicycle stand, right? So you have that range of that. And then you have on the other extreme end, a simple pole just designating this is where the bus goes. You see this often as well, I think, in some neighborhoods, right? So it really depends on which where you are, right? But for me, generally, the experience of waiting at a bus stop for me has is ranges from uncomfortable to I don't really want to be there for more than five minutes. Yeah. And just briefly, we've also seen a lot of criticism towards our train stations, whether the older ones or the newer ones. What have you noticed about how our train stations are designed? Are they good spaces to use? Right. Uh, first of all, I think it really depends first and foremost on what type of train stations we're talking about. Right? Are we talking about LRT train stations, monorail, uh, the MRT, which is the newest one that was designed in 2010s, or are we talking about KTM, which was a decades old design, right? So depending on which train stations you're at, you're more likely to kind of encounter a lot of very different accessibility and comfort issues, right? So for example, LRT and MRT, right? Design designed in the 1990s and onwards, they're okay, actually, right? If you think about it, they're step-free. They're designed to be wheelchair accessible. However, and this is the problem, I guess, with integration, right? With newer lines. Certain stations that involve line transfers aren't the easiest to navigate. They aren't the easiest to get around. Pasta City, for example, right? If you want to exchange from MRT to Napolo to go use the uh, LRT Klanjai line, you have to go through a series of long-winded, uh, you know, paths just to get to the other station. Or for example, Masijami, in order to transfer from Klanajaya to go to Ampang, which is an overhead station, you have to go through, you know, a variety of different obstacles in order to get there, which are not easy, really the most accessible to those who are physically disabled. Um, and then, of course, finally, we'll, we can talk about the KTM, the KTM being as old as it is, right, decades old, uh, even. Now, these stations uh, typically are two platforms. How do you get across different platforms, most of them have just uh, an overhead bridge, which are not really accessible to, to those on wheelchairs, right? They don't even have uh, a way to kind of transfer to the other station, uh, sorry, to the other platform efficiently and safely. So yeah, it, it really depends on what line you're talking about. But generally, I would say the lines that are designed in the 90s onwards are pretty much uh, all right as public spaces. So you referenced uh, the, the homeless community earlier because we, we began by talking about hostile architecture, but um, how does poor design impact others, people who rely and depend on public spaces more than others? I'm thinking of young people, elderly people, persons with disabilities. Yeah, so I think if you talk about public design, we're talking about uh, spaces that include or exclude, right? So if you create certain designs that... Uh, are very biased, I guess, to, towards a certain sp a specific way of. Now, let, let me put it simply, right? So, if you build, uh, if you build design that doesn't have everyone in mind, so you don't think about children, you don't think about women, you don't think about the elderly or the disabled, you end up, uh, you end up building a design which is very biased, I think, towards those who are physically able, maybe male, even right, because you don't have to worry about things like safety, you don't need to worry about things like, uh, like accessibility. Can I walk on this place, uh, without you know falling down and whatnot, right? So when you design certain spaces that are 
not inclusive, you send a message to different groups in society that, hey, this public space is not really for you. It's only for very specific types of people. And this is why, uh, and, and what that does, I guess, to identity, what it does to community is that you don't feel included in that space, right? So like I mentioned earlier, right? Say, for example, you're in the middle of KL, you work at 10, 10 p.m. at night as a woman, you wouldn't feel safe in Kuala Lumpur walking around the streets because either you go down narrow pathways that are not well lighted or you're, you're not walking down places where, say, the street is alive and you feel safe in numbers. Um, and in that sense, as a woman, you feel excluded from the city because it was not designed uh, for you in place. So design that is not inclusive has the effect of making people feel socially unaccepted in public space. Uh, so this extends to the elderly, this extends to children, this extends to you know the, the disabled. I wouldn't say that the design is primarily designed for men, uh, but I think the default would be that, right? It is designed for men because you don't think about safety and among other things, yeah. So then, broadly speaking, what are some of the things to consider when we design our bus stops and, in a larger sense, our public transit areas? Yeah, so I like to think about it in three different categories, right? First of all, there's the category of accessibility. Second category is safety. And the third category is protection, right? So accessibility, right? Is the bus stop or is the public transit area easy to access, right? So you're thinking about slopes, right? Or elevations uh, from the street up to the bus stations. Now, I've encountered countless of bus stations, which definitely anyone who uh, is on a wheelchair definitely cannot use it safely because the slope is too high, for example, right? So that's that's not accessible, right? Or we're talking about pedestrian access to stops, right? Can you walk from your house to the closest bus station without encountering uh, challenges in terms of broken pathways or in terms of maybe suddenly the path disappearing and it goes into a main road. Uh, so that's a question of accessibility. Now we're talking about the second one, which is safety, right? Is it safe? Right. And we talked a bit earlier about safety, uh, especially towards for women, children, and the elderly. Uh, think about bus stops that are not lighted, right? Would you feel safe, you know, in the evenings or maybe when it's a bit more rainy and it's a bit dark outside, would you feel safe waiting at the bus stop alone at night, right? Uh, is the bus stop also designed for you to be environmentally aware of your surroundings, right? Can you kind of support someone for maybe a mile away coming towards you? Um, so that's the second one. And we're talking finally about protection, right? Protection from elements, rain and shine. We're in Malaysia, there's only two weather. So <laughs> these are the two things you kind of need to consider. Can you design a bus stop that protects you from the elements? Sometimes people wait up to half an hour to an hour at bus stops. What if it rains, right? What if it's too hot? So these are kind of like the three different things you need to think about. Accessibility, safety and protection. We have a WhatsApp from Andrew who says, what to do? Some abuse them by disfiguring them or damaging them. And I think this is in relation to why the design of the bus stops are, you know, actively not just uncomfortable, but hostile. Uh, how would you respond to this? So I think for Andrew, I would just say this, right? When you design public goods, you're designing for everyone in general. and But that doesn't mean it should come at the expense of other people's accessibility. It shouldn't come at the expense of other people accessing public spaces, right? So yes, think about the fact that in New York, I believe in the 70s or the 80s, there were trains were basically vandalized, right? Every single day, people were vandalizing them. But what the mayor then did was that he constantly, you know what, let them vandalize it and we'll repair it. Every night, every day, every week, we will repair whatever was vandalized. And at some point, those vandals decided it wasn't worth the effort to do so. So for me, you have to think about creating a space that is inclusive, but then that also means you need strong enforcement. You also need a maintenance culture that is on the ball, right? To make sure that, yes, if it's going to be vandalized, if it's going to be destroyed, you will come there the next day on the next week to kind of make sure it's fixed up and people are still able to use the space. Now, if we were to make 
let's say, the seats in bus stops more comfortable. What kind of design would we be looking at here? And what are some of the materials that would be effective and helpful considering the environment and weather that we in, we live in? Right. If you're talking about seats, to be honest, just design normal benches, right? Just design benches without separators so people can sit on it comfortably. People can sit on it for, for long hours. Allow people to lie down if they want to lie down, right? I mean, it's, it's not great, right? Because you're using public spaces, but essentially the idea is to make it as inclusive as possible, uh, to allow people to access it, to allow the bus stop spaces to not only accommodate like maybe a few people, but enough people who are able to ride the bus. So don't, not everyone needs to stand, right? Some people can sit down if they need to, like the elderly, uh, children, perhaps women, pregnant women, uh, people who are not who are physically disabled. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I can't really speak about materials. Uh, that's more of an architect and an engineer to kind of weigh in. But for me, PVC benches, PVC materials are weatherproof. Uh, they're great. They're durable. So why not use PVC, right? It's it's affordable as well. So you could argue, right, that a bus stop, a train station, these are not people's homes. They're just temporary shelters for people to transit to their end destination. Um, so why? would you argue, I suppose, the, the converse, which is that it's still important that these public facilities be made comfortable and safe? Well, at the end of the day, we're talking about the entire experience of using public transportation. Just because the space is temporary, just because the space is going to be used for less than half an hour or five minutes, it doesn't mean you shouldn't make it usable or even the experience enjoyable, right? I mean, we spend a lot of time in our daily lives kind of going in temporary spaces, right? But the, what makes us enjoy using the space. It's basically the experience, the social experience as well, right? How is it, when you're in that temporary space, how is it like interacting with other people, right? Uh, how is it like waiting? You want to make the experience as enjoyable as usable. You want to make the experience as positive as usual to encourage people to use the public, public transportation, but more importantly, for people to feel like they are a part of urban life, to feel like they're connected to other people who live in the same areas, work in the same areas as well. So I think as temporary as a space is, that is exactly why we need to make it as good as possible. So we talk a lot about um, encouraging people to buy into the use of public transportation as a regular feature in their lives. Where does design come into it? What place would design play in encouraging people to constantly use public transport? Design plays a huge, huge role in public transportation. Like if you design public transportation to be difficult to use, make it inaccessible, for example, for people who are, who are on wheelchairs, then you already exclude people on wheelchairs from using it, right? I mean, so in a sense, design is integral in public transportation, in part of the experience of using transportation, right? You want to make bus stops, you want to make trains, you want to make buses, in fact, accessible so people would feel encouraged to use it. You also want to make the space comfortable enough for people to use it so they'd be part of it. And yes, for example, let's use London, right? You take the tube, the tube is can be unpleasant sometimes because you know, it gets crammed during peak hours, but at the same time, the in-between spaces uh, once you get out of the trains and you're kind of like walking through, suddenly you see someone performing, someone plays music in the middle of the tube, right? And then you feel, oh yeah, this space, this space actually feels pretty all right. You know, I feel like this is city life. You, you feel a connection to the city that you grew up in, right? Uh, city that you work in. So yeah, I mean, for me, and, and a lot of that has to do with design, designing a space and how you occupy and use the space as well. So it cannot be that you build a space and then just leave it empty, right? You also have to build a space and then allow spontaneity to happen or generate generate something in that space to make it alive, you know? Asif, thanks for speaking with us today. 
Right. Thank you for having me. That was Azif Azuddin, independent urban mobility researcher, weighing in on public transit and um, essentially why design is so important when it comes to how our public transport transit spaces are um, accessible, are used. Do keep your thoughts coming. Uh, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We are asking you, what would make our public spaces better to be in? So keep your thoughts coming. We'll get to them after this uh, and keep it here. BFM 89.9. Banish fraudulent manoeuvres. BFM. 89.9. It is 6.37. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're talking about design when it comes to our public spaces. It started off with public transit. Uh, we are expanding that conversation to the spaces that we share with each other. Uh, do keep your thoughts coming. What would make our public spaces better to be in? We are here, we're taking suggestions for, you know, across the board, transportation, parks, sidewalks. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We do have a caller on the line. Good evening, Taufik. What are your thoughts? Um, hi, yes. Um, okay, there's a YouTuber I watch. His name is uh, Not Just Bikes. And he's a, uh, he's a critic of American suburban housing design, something that is being replicated in Malaysia. And the thing is, he says that um, American suburban houses can uh, make it hostile for sidewalks, make it hostile for OKU spaces, make it hostile for uh, bike lanes and such. So the, the solution is that he now lives in Amsterdam. He said that in Amsterdam, every new development must be centered around uh, public transport. And then from there on, people, developers will start thinking about OKU spaces, start thinking about bike lanes, walkways, and uh, pub, and even parks, right? And that's why Netherlands has, sort of, has a, a huge bike lane system, a good public transport system, and a lot of parks. So maybe we should uh, have uh, Malaysia start uh, thinking about that, like make every new development center around uh, an existing uh, pu- uh, existing public transport, or every time new development, try and get the government to build uh, to improve uh, add more infrastructure for public transport, and then they can start thinking about bike lanes, and then start thinking about OKU spaces, parks, and such. Taufik, I'm curious about what sorts of public spaces or um, where do you usually find yourself in? Um, you know, how, what use do you make of public spaces essentially? So basically, I live in uh, around uh, the Tropicana area, and the thing is, I like jogging, right? And Tropicana has good public spaces, like good public transport. But the jogging, uh, but the thing is, I like to jog to Kota Damansara, and um, and it's very hostile uh, because there's no, uh, there's, there's a lack of pedestrianisation to from Tropicana to Kota Damansara, and that's very troubling, especially when you compare to other uh, other cities, other countries. Taufik, thank you for your thoughts. If you'd like to weigh in, we're asking what would make our public spaces better to be in, in terms of design? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, I really like that idea of uh, centering public spaces around public transport. Yeah, um, it's one of those it should be logical uh, kinds of approaches, right? Because obviously, if you are using public transportation, it is more likely that you are going to be sharing more public space than someone who, for instance, sits in a car 
drives to a private parking lot, drives back from said private parking lot to another and so on and so forth. So I think considering what it is they might need is is a good one. I would like though to go back, um, if we're talking about what we want, to go back to what we were what I mentioned earlier on, which is acknowledging that you can design something and hope that people use it a certain way. But if they don't, there might need to be an acknowledgement that the design is not correct for the community. Uh, I was thinking about this term. I think I'm getting it right. It's called paths of desire. Have you heard this? No, no. What is that? Uh, so essentially, if let's say you have a, a walking roundabout, right? But in the middle, you put a patch of grass. Um with, I don't know, a shrub or something. And and you put it there because you think it's going to be nice, it's going to provide shade. But ultimately, a path of desire is what happens when people trample through that little patch of grass and create a brown path because people are stepping on the grass all the time. And that represents the pathway that people actually want to take that you did not design for. And so I, I think about that quite often when it comes to our public spaces because you see it in our road designs as well. You can do whatever you like, but ultimately, if people want to make the illegal U-turn, they will. So if they're going to do that, then... It's a carrot or stick, right? Either you, you stick it and you, you keep giving them tickets or you put a camera there and maybe that helps. But the other way is to acknowledge that, okay, we got this wrong. People want to make this U-turn. How do we make that safer? Oh, that's No, that's absolutely it, isn't it? Because when, I, when we started the show and I said we often think only about functionality, it's also true that we only think about functionality from one specific point of view, the point of view of the city council, usually in this case, putting that facility in place. Not necessarily how people in this space use it. Who are the people in this space who are using it and what are their most immediate concerns or needs? And all of those things, I think, come into how public spaces are designed. Um, we do have this message from Mizi, uh, going back to our conversation about bus stops. And Mizi says, I can understand the unfriendly designs of our bus stops where vagrants are concerned, but to this very day, I cannot understand why most of our bus stops have roofs that are narrow and other users are at the mercy of heavy downpours. Some of the roofs are made of transparent material. So again, the normal users have to bear with strong morning and afternoon sun. So are we going to cut off our noses to spite our faces um, for the occasional homeless community? Often they avoid being around when there are users. Uh, they usually occupy the space when there's no longer any traffic. So this speaks to the point that Azif, our guest, made earlier, which is designing a space for public use. And again, that needs to accommodate everyone who's going to use it. But I think this issue of unfriendly design having spillover effects is a very important one. Because even if, even if you truly believe that this is the best option to ensure that our city is beautified and safe or, or whatever, you know, words you want to use in this context. Um, it's hard to disagree that making a space uncomfortable for someone who is homeless makes a space uncomfortable for everyone else. And and I think that's exactly what Mizi is saying. And um, I, that issue of not designing for our weather is also a weird one. Yes, absolutely. I, I was going to ask you, actually, if you could make a wish list when it comes to our public spaces. Did you have anything particular in mind? Well, I would um, allow skateboarders. <laughs> I, it would be a very hippie public space. Um, I think in the first place, just to begin with, I, I've said this before, I would like more public space and I would like more public spaces that um, 
kind of playfully and meaningfully make use of space. I say this as an urban girl born and raised and therefore someone who is quite accustomed to there not being a whole lot of greenery in a city. Uh, and, you know, in and in some cases, for some people, you actually have to drive to get to the closest park, which is an odd thing to mm. consider, but that's true. And so I think I would like to ha see more mini parks, uh, to see more creative use and reimagining of space um, and to have that space not, uh, you don't need to pay to use it, um, to have covered spaces, things like that. Oh, um, I agree with all of that. I was nodding along um, very vigorously earlier when our guest Azif was talking about uh, musicians performing at a walkway heading to a train station, for instance. Uh, to me, those are all the marks of a thriving, exciting, lively city, right? Public spaces that welcome uh, creativity, that welcome uh, people... So I don't want to use the word loitering. I think what I want to say is people feeling like they can enjoy that public space, that it's not just a functional place to walk through, but you can sit down, have your lunch there, listen to a bit of music. Maybe there's a sculpture, there's a tree you can sit under. I know I'm sounding increasingly like I'm just imagining a space, but I think all of these things would end up on my wish list. Uh, by the way, 1234 on WhatsApp has just, says, has just said, might as well you don't have any traffic rules and let people go their most convenient way. There must be rules for civilised communities. And I think this is in reference to the Paths of Desire comment earlier. And I think no one is disagreeing that we should have rules um, and that traffic lights exist for a reason. I think my question is whether or not our public spaces at the moment acknowledge how most people use or want to use spaces or whether we in term, uh, we as users are retrofitting. Do you know what I mean? That there seems to be a mismatch. There absolutely seems to be a mismatch. Um, and that's actually why we're asking you, well, what is your wish list for public spaces in Malaysia? What would make them better? Keep your thoughts coming. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back after this for more of your thoughts. So keep it here on Inside Story BFM eighty nine point nine. Be free minded. BFM eighty nine point nine. It is six fifty. You're listening to the. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're talking about the design of public spaces and asking you for your wish list. What is your wish list when it comes to public spaces here in Malaysia? What would make them better? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We do have some thoughts on this. So, um, we have, let's start with this from Aslan, who says, if we're talking about making public transportation uh, and the experience more inviting, why not make and create games like treasure hunts connecting from one stop to the next and in buses? And there would be Easter eggs connected to the game. Aslan, I love this suggestion, partly because I'm a huge nerd about treasure hunts. Of course, it doesn't make design better. But I think there's something to be said about getting people excited about how public spaces are designed, right? Um, I remember as a teenager, actually, and I cannot remember whether it was because the MRT or the LRT had just opened. Um, and so they actually had a citywide treasure hunt that you could participate in that you had to take just public transport, just the uh, trains to kind of gather clues and go around. And it was so much fun. I really love the suggestion. Me too. Um, I think that if we could pair it with something that improves the the physical infrastructure of 
buses and therefore gets people excited. So if you can do it hand in hand, right? Because on the one hand, people are excited to use buses uh, or, or public transport because there is this gamification involved and, and it's fun. Um, and at the same time, the experience of taking the bus becomes more pleasant, then I think that is the ideal. Oh my God, we could have a Pokemon Go style game, um, except yes. that it, it's it's based on KL or Malaysia's public spaces. I think that would be I, so cool. That would be very cute. Although um, my worry now is that people are going to take that very literally and then like put in Malaysian monsters that you have to go and catch. It's not <laughs> as cute as pocket monsters. So it's it's a. Um, but I I agree. I think that something like that, which incentivizes you to take more rides to go around KL, would be very cool. Um, we also have specific. Well, before we move on to the wish lists, another point coming in about bus stops. Uh, Azmi says at the very least, bus stops should display the bus numbers that stop there. <laughs> At the very least, yes. One would they think. Don't, no, they don't. I think taking the bus. Um, so for me personally, um, I've always found taking the bus a little bit intimidating. And and it's for almost this exact reason, actually. Um, yes. And for, so firstly, numbers not properly displayed. Secondly, timing of buses stopping there not properly displayed. Uh, so if you didn't make use of, say, Google Maps, which again in KL isn't really the best indication because the buses don't necessarily keep to a schedule, it's very difficult to figure out where to take what bus. Meanwhile, we also have messages coming in that are wish list related. So Anil has one that I think is shared by probably, if I had to guess, 90% of the people listening. Because Anil says, my wish list would be a decent walk pathway. Every day after office, I walk to my parking area. It's such a scary feeling every day. Anil, this is so important. Um, I really think that Safety, um, and, and, and our guest earlier spoke about it as well, as safety being one of the key factors with which public spaces have to be designed. Um, and I think this is something that people can relate to so much, that experience of having walk of, of having to walk to your car um, at night or when it's slightly lonely is such a relatable one and, and not, not at all pleasant. By the way, we're talking about safety as if it's only related to um, you know, muggings and assaults and the like. But the uneven pathways, the broken tiles, the amount of times, I cannot tell you the amount of times I have splashed dirty water back up onto myself just by stepping on mm. a broken tile in a pathway. Or accidentally stepping into, um, what is the equivalent of a pothole on a sidewalk? Basically when a tile is missing, so your foot goes down into it. A hole. Yeah. Just call it what it is. It is a hole. Um, no, but truly... And look, I'm a clumsy person. I can't afford this kind of thing. I mean, I will likely fall on my own. I don't need the sidewalk to help me. So um, I, I just, I, I feel like when we talk about safety, sometimes we're not even considering the basics, something like whether the, the walkway is in fact safe to walk on. So Queen on Twitter has a suggestion saying for a treasure hunt, try the AIA district app. I've never explored so many murals in KL as much as I did with this activity. Have not heard about that app. Shall give it a go. Cute. Very Sounds cute. very cute. Um, MP says, I love the park at Desa Park City. I wish we had more like them in KL. And most importantly, everyone must use the place responsibly and keep the place clean. 
I completely agree about having more green spaces, more parks um, around the city. So this point about pe- people keeping places clean and res- uh, and in being responsible, um, and I think it came up in a couple of other conversations as well. Uh, I'm inclined to think that it's a what's the word? A, a circular process. If people get used to having these facilities and used to appreciating them and thinking of them as a part of their lives, you're more likely to take care of them. I agree with that. Um, I think also that it's a long change though. It would be a very yes. long change because alongside the getting used to, oh, places are pretty, they're nice to have, um, comes the, but it's okay, someone else will clean it. And and if we don't acknowledge that mindset, it's very hard to shift. I really liked um, Azif's example earlier about the subway in New York and how um, in the end, it just comes down to the authorities deciding, well, we're going to keep maintaining these places. We're going to keep cleaning them up till the point where attitudes change. And perhaps sometimes that's just the reality of it. Shaz has a point about bus stops. Um, What bus stops? I see buses stop to pick up passengers at phantom bus stops every day. How would my visiting friends who bunk at my place and want to take our buses know where to take the bus? Well, you kind of meander onto the sidewalk and then watch and fall down and fall down (laughs) and then pick yourself up and then check and see maybe where five different buses might stop and then triangulate a position that's hopefully in between. So this is a real problem. Um, The the buses as taxis thing (laughs) is is a real problem because that's not the. I feel like I'm in crazy town. That's not the purpose of a bus, Um, but. The, the lack of regularity for public transport is a huge issue. Um, we've talked about this before in terms of train timings, and I think that this is an interesting and disheartening addition to that conversation. Keep those thoughts coming. Um, it might sound quite bleak right now, but we are talking about your wish lists for public spaces in Malaysia. What do you think would make them better? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, after this, we're going to be looking at how to create better public spaces as a whole. Uh, and for that, we'll be speaking with Dr. Shuhana Shamsuddin, President of Pareka Banda. So keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Because freedom matters. BFM 89.9. It is 7.06. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we've been asking you, what is your wish list for public spaces in Malaysia? What would make them better? Keep them coming. You can call 77332900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, more thoughts on this? Well, yes, sort of. Um, so before the before the break, before the news, we were talking about having a, a gamifying public transport, of having something that would make people excited to get on the bus or the train or whatever it may be. And, um, you know, Pokemon Go was thrown around, just different ideas. Redzwan is saying, actually, Rapid KL does have a treasure hunt on the bus called Find the Bus or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's... Hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, accidental gamification. I enjoyed that so much. You know, it's like was it was it Shamil earlier when you you can't uh, when you're you're sort when you can't deal with the frustration, turn it into a fun game. Perhaps it won't seem so bad. Perhaps so. I, I don't know. 
We also have, let's see, um, a response to your uh, parts of desire comment. Um, Let's see. YC says, today I learned a desire path. I suspect Singapore's HDB practices this. Often I notice a new walking path being laid over well-worn paths by people walking on grassy areas. This is exactly it. This is what I'm saying. Just acknowledging that you might have had the best of intentions. You wanted to you know, have more green space. But the truth of the matter is people are walking over it. And so just acknowledge that. Um, You know, just to extend this and a small tangent, another way you see this is uh, where the paint has actually rubbed off on a door. Because oh, it means yes. that, yeah, because it means that people aren't using the handle. Instead, they're they're rubbing, they're pressing against whatever it may be. So you see a patch above that's just like gotten, you know, horribly disfigured, and then a, a perfectly fine handle that apparently no one's using. Well, speaking of wish lists, we have uh, Ahmad Irshad saying, last mile connection is what matters. Stops should be placed within reasonable walking distance. And yes, schedules and numbers should be placed at bus stops. And then charge exorbitant prices for parking or prevent private vehicles from accessing certain areas. That would get people motivated to take the bus or other public transport. Ooh, carrot and stick. Carrot and stick, um, quite I mean, since we mentioned Singapore, quite Singaporean as mm, well. Yes. Um, in terms of making driving a very expensive action or a very expensive option to choose. Um, I, I come back to it is it this will only be fair when the time it takes for me to drive to work and the time it takes for me to take public transport to work is doesn't have to be the same but it has to be comparable. One cannot be two hours and the other half an hour. You know, if, if it's like that, then it's never going to work. I think there are other carrots, quote unquote, that can be put in place too, right? Because for instance, if you can make the commute comfortable, if you if there is Wi-Fi on your public transport so that people uh, can listen to podcasts or read or do some work, uh, you know, there are so many things that you can do because... Honestly, people don't love sitting in a traffic jam for two hours. It's just that often it is the only practical choice available. Because it's either two hours of this or an inconsistent and uncertain longer transit sometimes. Or or it's shorter, but then you don't know whether where to catch the bus or um, you don't know whether the train is going to be on time and if it isn't on time then what are your options? And I think we have to be able to remove this measure of uncertainty. We have Mizi saying, my wish list is clean, free and safe public toilets, escalators for overhead pedestrian walks for the ageing Malaysian population. 100%. Um, uh, every time I take the stairs when I'm in public, I recently, I, I don't know why, um, I've always taken a look to see whether there are options for people who aren't able to walk upstairs. And by and large, there isn't. By and large, this these sorts of safer crossings are only available to you if you are able-bodied. And even then, if you are able-bodied but you have mobility challenges, it's still going to be a problem. So I think considering the ways in which we, we build and how we help people do things like crossroads is important. Just to close off on this side of things, Jimmy says, the pathway in front of traffic lights is meant for pedestrians. I'm not sure what it's called, but it's usually painted with yellow stripes. Cars and bikers need to know that that area is not for them to stop their vehicles on. It's for pedestrians to cross the road. The law should punish these offenders heftily. Is that a zebra crossing? I think so. Um, I I think so too. I think Um, that's what Jimmy's talking about. Yes, uh, but yeah, 100%. uh, Also... The uh, 
why do people do this? <laughs> Sorry, I, I feel like I should have a more coherent response, but I agree with Jimmy and I just don't understand why people do this. And also speaks to the role of enforcement when it comes to public spaces. Well, that and also understanding that public spaces are shared. Exactly that. Keep those thoughts coming. What is your wish list for public spaces in Malaysia? What would make them better? You can call us. You can send us a voice note. You can WhatsApp us. You can tweet us. Uh, after this, we'll be speaking to Dr. Shuhana Shamsuddin, who is president of Pareka Bandar, about how to design public spaces. So keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Bigotry Free Malaysia, BFM 89.9. It is 7.14. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we are closing off our conversation on design when it comes to public spaces uh, by looking at, well, exactly that, how to effectively design the spaces that we share. Uh, but keep your thoughts coming. What is your wish list for public spaces in Malaysia? What would make them better? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Now joining us on the line is Dr. Shohana Shamsuddin, President of Pareka Banda. Dr. Shohana, good to have you with us. Hi. So generally speaking, how would you grade the state of our public spaces in Malaysia? Do they, how do they fare in terms of accessibility, safety and inclusivity? Well, that is a question uh, that actually uh, prompted uh, us from, to set up this uh, society, Pekabanda, which is actually the Malaysian Urban Design Association. Because uh, at the moment, uh, in terms of the quality of public uh, spaces, we actually um, not doing uh, very well in terms of meeting the needs of the users. Uh, and also from the de design point of view, there's a lot of problem in terms of the um, coordination of the design of the urban spaces. Uh, and also in terms of responding to the climate that we have, which is a tropical climate, as well as the behavior of the people uh, in Malaysia, which is not actually the same uh, yeah, if other countries. So um, there's a lot to be done in terms of um, providing public spaces that actually meets the needs of the users, uh, more so in our uh, sociocultural context and, uh, uh, and also in responding to our local climate. And how much of a priority are public spaces when it comes to town planning? Uh, is there enough thought given to their purpose? Yeah, actually, um, as far as quantity is concerned, uh, there is a standard being given in terms of the amount of um, open spaces uh, that needs to be provided uh, in the sense of the percentage is being given and so forth. But that is from quantity uh, point of view. But our major concern is more from the quality aspects. Even though you provide, say, a um, large amount of public spaces, but they're not designed in a, in a way that is uh, meeting the needs of the, the people and also uh, not uh, designed in the sense that, that um, is uh, appropriate for, the, for the, the people who are actually um, living in the place, then the amount of space is not, is not uh, amount provided is not going to solve the problem in terms of giving quality public spaces. So the main concern now is about quality of the design. And uh, not not so much in terms of the quantity, because like I said, you can have very little spaces, but if you design it well, if you uh, 
uh, following the good um, uh, design principles, uh, uh, like um, it has to be very accessible, it has to be very safe, it has to give comfort, and more so, we we have a climate that is uh, where we have the amount of uh, rainfall and amount of sunshine, which is much more than other countries uh, in the temperate climate. So we cannot design our public spaces the way the public space has been designed in other countries. And the, the concern is this um, copy-paste syndrome or templates, you know, that is being done in other countries. It works very well in the Mediterranean. But if you put it in the tropical climate, no, it, it, it doesn't fit with, that, with, the, with the, the kind of climate we have. So in the end, the spaces will not be appropriate. One good example is that, uh, uh, which, we, which we call the amphitheater, you know, where you have seats in the open space and where you can have performance being done. It works very well in the Mediterranean because of the, the climate over there, you know, if you sit in the sun, you know, you'd be very comfortable uh, um, for long. But you try sitting in the open space at 12 o'clock at noon, you know, you, you just can survive about, about five minutes and, and the space will, cannot be used until very late in the evening when the, when the, when the temperature has uh, cooled down. So what, is, what works in other countries, uh, different climates and different kind of... Um, social, cultural context doesn't necessarily work well in Malaysia. So we need to have public spaces to be designed for our climate, for our social, cultural context. You know? The kind of people, the behaviour pattern, the values, the attitudes, the traditions, we, have, we, have, we, we are quite different from other countries. So like I said, there is no one solution to designing public spaces that it has to be appropriate for the particular a country or for the particular social cultural context we're dealing with. So then when it comes to planning for and designing public spaces in Malaysia, what are the main priorities to keep in mind? The main main priorities is actually it has to be designed to meet the needs of the users, not just for beautification, but to serve a purpose. So it has, must be a balance between uh, um, uh good design in terms of uh, visually pleasing and at the same time it is very functional um like like an example you see in putrajaya they, they have so many um pedestrian paths being provided very nice shaded but that place is there's no activities going on there's no people uh, uh using the space so uh, it's quite uh, inappropriate to to have that kind of facilities in a place when it's not needed, as compared to you know where the place where there are places where you really need a place for people to to congregate or together to have a, a chance uh, interaction with each other, and yet there is no such spaces being provided. I mean, this is especially so, especially so in the city center because sometimes when you go to the city center, it's not just to to go shopping and so forth. Sometimes you can want to meet people and there should be some public spaces being done for, for to serve that purpose. Like if see if you go to the um uh, uh to European countries and, and so forth, they have many squares and many um incidental spaces that 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 allows you know in, interaction to take place for people who goes to the city center. But in Malaysia we we tend to provide spaces only um um for for a formal function purposes, for example, not to be used, and sometimes it's just for the sake of beautification. 
rather than it 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 is actually meant to be used by the, the people. So the needs of our society have changed dramatically from say yeah. forty years ago. Um, yes, have mm. our public spaces kept up with those needs? No, sorry to say. Mm. <laughs> That's why I said you know our society is becoming more and more demanding because we we travel now. You know, we are we're dealing with a society where people now travel to other countries and um, they've seen other cities that looks very well in the spaces. And when you come back to Malaysia, we will keep uh, questioning, why can't we be like this? Why can't our cities be, be like this? You know, there are spaces being provided, but it's not functional. There are sometimes you, you, I know sometimes the landscaping doesn't work for that, <laughs> that particular spaces. You plant trees that doesn't provide any shade when you need the shade. In, uh, in this kind of climate so uh, these, these are the the, the the things that um uh, is really bugging my mind so when you talk about the needs of the people using the spaces what sort of consultation needs to happen with the community when crafting a public space yes that's another problem that we have in this country because most of the time the design has been forced upon to the people you know um the the what normally happens, the local authority will appoint the consultants and the consultants will sometimes just spend about just a short time just to observe what's happening and then take them for it and then they will come up with a design. And very seldom that the engagement with the with the public, you know, um, uh, discussion that take place where we the, the public has a chance to, or the community has a chance to actually give their point of view as to what kind of spaces they need. This is what we call advocacy planning, where people are really involved in the decision making in the place where they are the ones who is actually going to use the space. Um, very seldom that the, the designers of the spaces actually live in the place. So sometimes it's just the values of the designer is being imposed on the people and, some, and then you wonder why the space is not being utilised. Because well, you actually don't have, never find out from the people what do they actually need. A good example is the children playground. Have people ever consulted the children what kind of playground they they, they want? Most of the time, you know, there's a very standardized play equipment being being given, and then the children, you know, will play for a while, and then they get bored because it is it, so it's been designed by the adults who actually do not really share what kind of uh, uh, play spaces that they really enjoy. Doctor Shuhana, thanks for speaking with us today. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. That was Dr. Shuhana Shamsuddin, President of Pareka Banda, weighing in on how uh, to be better, really, at designing our public spaces. Uh, and we've been asking you for your wish list when it comes to exactly that, public spaces in Malaysia, what would make them better. Uh, and we do have a voice note that's come in on this. This is from Sharon. Just to share some uh, use of public spaces that I have noticed in other countries that I enjoyed in Korea, having um, uh, two, a, a major road being divided, not just by a divider, but by a park, a linear park where people can walk across and they can sit, there are benches, there are post boxes. Um, I thought that was brilliant. Um, especially at night when you just want to walk from one place to another instead of having to take a train when it's or a, or a, or a bus when it's just nearby. Next is uh, in Amsterdam bus stops 
very practical, um, covered, but very functional, not much, uh, very hygienic, basically easy to clean, easy to maintain. Um, and they have the bus numbers and the timing of the bus, when the buses are arriving and where the bus is heading towards um, digitally uh, showcased in every bus stop. I like that. In Singapore, you even have bus stops where the every where for every bus that stops there, uh, you actually can tell where, which are the stops they are going to make. So very practical. And finally, I think what I really enjoyed was the bus stops that had plants growing out in the rooftop. Uh, so everything is like solar powered as well. Um, I didn't see so many of this, but uh, I remember reading up uh, on this. So, And also uh, parks where you have gondolas or areas where people can actually gather for picnics where you are allowed to come and uh, meet your friends like in singapore a lot of the parks um, during christmas you can see all the filipino mates gathering uh, around and having their own christmas celebration so i thought that was so good because there's an area where they can, you can go and celebrate and you don't have to pay money it's like a venue uh, and also sorry last one um, theater in a park outdoor theater places where creative people can come together and they can uh, practice and they can put up events. Sharon, thank you for that. Uh, that sounds like my dream area to live in. I loved uh, every part of that, whether it's parks serving as dividers, um, also that point about outdoor theatres and the possibility of people being able to come together and practice. I was thinking if we... If we thought about outdoor theatres the way we think about, say, basketball courts or badminton courts or tennis courts or football fields, um, it would be a lovely thing, right? If you provide a space for people to perform or for people to think about performances. Uh, also, I've been banging on about it a lot, but that issue of... Um, an area you can go celebrate, be with other people without having to pay money. It's so crucial. And part of this is, of course, is the fact that, um, as, our, as, uh, as Dr. Shohana was saying earlier, something like an amphitheatre may not necessarily be compatible with Malaysia. But on the other hand, we do have our own organic, um, what's the word, local architecture, Asian architecture, Malaysian architecture that's built to work with the way our uh, weather is, that our winds work. Um, and there's so much so much that that can be learned from traditional architecture that we really aren't capitalizing on to craft our public spaces well that and it would also give our public spaces a unique Malaysian look and isn't that what we would want right to celebrate not just the design but also the fact that it is a distinctly or distinctively Malaysian look Anyway, we've been talking about public spaces and asking for your wish lists. Keep them coming. You can WhatsApp us or send us a voice note at 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.